Hello and welcome to part two of Understanding First John 1-9 on Santini's Daily Dose Podcast. This is your friend Josiah. You guys, I'm so glad that you're here to take in this wisdom and I just, we're going to open in prayer and I thought of a new idea that I'm going to start doing here on my podcast at the beginning. Um, of course, we're going to pray, but there's something else that I'm going to that I'm gonna get here. Um, but my dad gave me this thing, you guys, uh, just now. He's cutting someone's hair downstairs, but um, basically... He gave me this little note card, and it's got the cross on it, and then it has the crown of thorns that Jesus wore um, when he was on the cross, but it has the crown of thorns as like an object uh, pinned into the piece of paper, and it says, Christ wore his crown, or this crown, so that you could receive the crown of life. And Revelation 2.10 says, be thou faithful unto death. What it's talking about is uh, keep following the Lord. Keep your relationship close with him. And then he will give you the crown of life. It's really interesting, you guys. James 1 talks about how um, if you... Uh, I think it's James 1.12. Let me I got my Bible right here. Hang on. I think it comes right after Hebrews. So yeah, here we go. James 1. I think it's James 1.12. So yeah, this is the... I'm going to read it out of the message version. I'm going to read it in a different version after this. But uh, we're going to break this down. So we're going to... Let me read this verse again. Revelation 2.10. It says, uh, Be faithful unto death. It's talking about being faithful to God, you know, until he comes back. And I will give you the crown of life. James 1.12 in the message version says, Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons, loyalty in love with God, the reward is life and more life. Let's look that up in a different version really quick. James 1.12, here we go. Let's look out of the NIV version, you guys. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Uh, that's, gosh, guys, that really connects right there. I hope you just, like, see what the Holy Spirit's doing right there. So um, let's open in prayer, you guys. And then uh, we're going to get uh, part two started of understanding 1 John 1, 9. Lord, I just surrender people that people that have been having peace today or just feeling your closeness. God, give them the wisdom they need to know that we're not only learning wisdom, God, when our days are good, but we're, we're, we're learning wisdom when we have bad days, when we have good days, when we have okay days. God, I thank you that you have your best intentions for everyone that you are holding back your return because you want all to come to repentance. God, I pray this message would touch people's hearts. People's hearts would be postured rightly to receive the seeds that you're going to plant, God, that you'd give me the words that I am to say, God, for I trust in you. 
We trust in you, Lord. We revere you. We are your children. We will live by faith and not by sight. We will not pay attention to the lust that the enemy puts in front of us. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's everything that you did. It's all about you. No one else. Our righteous deeds were nothing but filthy rags and they couldn't save us. We were dead in our sins. We were down in the pit and you came down and took us out and brought us into a new life. And we praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So you guys, my dad got me this little, um, like, you know, it, it's like a, like, you go to Barnes and Noble, or I don't even know if they have borders anymore, but, or you go to Second and Charles, or you go to a bookstore, and they have these, like, little things that sit on your desk, and they're little pieces of paper that you take off, and you read one uh, every day. You rip it off every new day, and my dad got me that for a Bible, for, with Bible verses, so every day, I, I uh, take it off, and I, um, there's a Bible verse on there, and, uh, Today is, uh, where I'm at, is uh, Tuesday, June 22nd, and the verse that I got today, some of us may know it, um, it's be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So, what is, people, this is, this is kind of been on my mind a little bit today, you guys, as well. What does it mean to be sober minded i think maybe you're just you know maybe it's isaiah 26 3 that god keeps those in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast on him maybe that's that maybe it's just like thinking about god and not you know not overthinking and you know i will say this you guys i'm just gonna say it again all the suffering i've gone through mentally just like a, a lot of overthinking and confusion. I mean, my mind sometimes would just not stop running and I felt completely hopeless. I can look back and see that it was God refining me. He kind of gave me a revelation about that today. I was at the mall and I went to go do some shopping, but I'm at the mall and I heard the Lord say um, to me, what, what happened when, when, when someone's getting deliverance of a demon? And I think that's another subject that I will talk about here on my podcast. And like, can Christians have demons? Yes, there is scripture about it. You can read it in uh, Matthew 16 where uh, Satan is uh, speaking through Peter and Jesus says, Peter, get behind me. You have no, or Satan, get behind me. You have no way how God works. I think it's in Mark, uh, it might be in Mark 9 or Mark 10 as well, but Mark also records it as well. Um, What was I going to say? Uh, there's a story in Acts where someone says, yada, 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 why has Satan filled your heart or something? Um, so, yeah, we can have demons, you guys. And anyway, the Lord spoke to me and said, when someone's getting delivered, it's not a smooth thing where they stand here and you pray and then it just goes out. No, that demon will speak through that person and they will speak they'll get angry they'll, they'll they'll tell you things just like 
You can read uh, even in Matthew and even in Mark, uh, like when the guy, uh, he was possessed by a demon and he, um, the demon spoke through him and said, who are you? We know who you are. You're the son of, son of God. And the story is vague in my head, but, and he goes, don't cast us back into the pit. I think this might be Mark 9. I think that's what it is. I think it's Mark 9, but it says um, that he cast them into the pigs and these demons were speaking through this man, and uh, it says just before the demon was casted out, um, it made the man squirm and scream and just like go crazy. So the Lord spoke to me, when your mind is under trial, when your mind is just running, 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 it's the same. It's 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 uh, it's um. I'm trying to think here. It's. Forgive me, you guys. I'm just... It's the Lord bringing you deliverance of that demon. I've experienced it, you guys. And do I think that you... Do you have to get... Does someone have to cast a demon out of you, like face-to-face, in order to get deliverance? No. No, no, no. Because if that's the case, then we're putting God right back into a box. And some of you guys might know a guy named Isaiah uh, Saldivar, if that's how you say his last name. Great guy full of wisdom, loves the Lord, he's got a great heart, he's got the fruits of the Spirit, super anointed, great guy, and uh, he, uh, there was this 30 second clip on one of his videos about uh, can can the demon get cast out by just God, like drawing that thing out, instead of someone being in front of you and calling that demon out and saying how did you get in there, okay now you're going to get cast out, yes, um, because the Lord spoke to me and said, it's the same thing when you're when you're de- getting when you're delivering someone, they're gonna start screaming and the demon's gonna get angry and he's gonna be like, no, I'm not leaving and you don't have power over me and they're just gonna say all this all these lies, you guys. It's the same thing. Like what's going on when you have a mental trial? It's it's the demon getting angry and God's bringing deliverance. It's God refining you. Everything's coming to the surface because I'll, because I'm I have a story to back this up earlier today. I have a friend of mine named John who uh, needed a ride to uh, uh, go to a, go to a storage unit and get his stuff. I helped him move all his stuff to a storage unit yesterday. And anyway, you guys, we I helped him do that, and just like and I I'm not accusing. I'm not you know don't don't right when he got in the car, all of a sudden I was just like aggravated by every single little thing, and I'm just like just like god why is this happening and immediately i heard i'm drawing evil spirits out of you do you guys i hope you see what i'm connecting here when you're getting deliverance in front of a person from a demon those demons are gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna be quiet they're gonna talk but you're going to get delivered. It's the same thing when you have a mental trial going on. You have to trust God that he is delivering you. He's refining you. He's getting rid of that stuff. You can read about it. And I go read, I think it's Isaiah 48. Let me, I'm not going to read it to you because I, I, because I want you to go yourself. I think it's Isaiah um, 48. Let me see. Yes. Go read Isaiah uh, 48. Just go check check it out. There's context, obviously, but... I got my 
vitamin water here. It's the best stuff ever. I absolutely love it. Oh my gosh. Okay, you guys. So today we're just gonna. Oh my gosh. We're. I'm. I'm. I'm almost 13 minutes in. That's okay. It's the way the Holy Spirit's gonna move. You guys, if you have not seen part, if you not, if you have not heard part one of my um, understanding, First John one nine. Um, a few episodes ago please go listen to that because it's going to help you understand the whole verse so and the only reason i'm doing two parts you guys is because i'm reading from this article um and you know what i'm going to put the link of the article in the in in the description below on this podcast if you want to look at it yourself you can go ahead and do that um yeah so here we go we're gonna i'm gonna i'm going to Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my text messages. I'm, like, really distracted. Okay. Forgive me. This is... Oh, my gosh. Oh. Um, I'm going to start off... I'm going to backtrack a little bit from where we left off on part one. So, here we go. I'm just going to read... This is the guy's convictions. And he's talking... Again, you guys, what I'm saying, First John 1, 9. And I'm going to read... I'll, I'll read the verse to you. Uh, let's just pull it up really quick. Let's look at it at a, we'll look at it in a couple verses. Um, we'll look at it at a couple different versions, but let's go to, let's go to the Amplified. Let's use that version. Here we go. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he, meaning God, is faithful and just true to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness our wrongdoing uh every everything not in conformity with his will and purpose that's the amplified let's go to uh let's do the passion translation but if we freely admit our sins it's saying that word freely again when his light overcomes them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive our sins because of Christ. And he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's the verse. So here we go. This is the guy's convictions on that verse. And I've been stating you guys how I think um, that verse is, this verse is for unbelievers. And again, you guys, if you have not listened to part one, if you listen to this, you will be confused. You've got to go listen to part one first. Um, I want to state, or unless you go, well, no, I can't, well, okay, now I'm overthinking, okay. <laughs> I want to state my views about this verse. I don't claim infallibility here, of course, but I can say that I have given these matters a great deal of thought through the years. Having believed so strongly in the other direction, I did not think I could afford to be wrong. Let me give you an ex, uh, expanded paraphrase of the text and then explain my emphasis if we walk in the light that then this is this is part of the verse in first john uh chapter one if we walk in the light that is if we are true believers then we have fellowship with one another and this wonderful thing happens the blood of jesus cleanses us continually from all sin let me read that again this is this is john talking to the body of christ in that time but it also speaks to us as well because you know we're also the body of christ of course if we walk in the light, that is, if we are true believers, it's almost like he's saying if you're true believers, we walk in the light. 
then we have fellowship with each other and this wonderful thing happens. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us continually from all sin. If we say publicly that we don't have sin, we are liars and the truth is not in us. The truth talking about uh, Jesus, that's what it's talking about. Um, That is, we are not true believers at all. However, if we confess our sins, that is, if we are now characterized by admitting our sin to others as a common practice of being a true Christian, a person who now walks in the light, and it's interesting right there because it says um, uh, a common practice in James 5 talks about making confession of sin a common practice. Uh, Then God is faithful and righteous on the basis of uh, what Christ has done to forgive us of all of our sins as our sins. as our status and to continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here we go. For the confessionist, the person, me, who confesses sin, I am right in this interpretation. The passage is now turned on its head. Instead of encouraging us to name every sin to God as a necessary means of ongoing sanctification, the passage is uh, glorying in the completed and sufficient work of Christ. That is, in this passage, we see just how forgiving God is in Christ and how his blood continually works on our behalf. This is the way that he is seeing it. Walking in the darkness is not a form of inferior Christianity, but is about living as a non-believer. Walking in the light is not being spiritual as a Christian, but is just a description from being a true Christian. Number two, obedience or walking in the light characterizes all true believers. Although this does not imply perfection. I love that right there. Number three, the believer is continually cleansed from all sin and nothing more could uh, be done to accomplish that end other than what Christ has already done for the believer. Number four, the believer enjoys fellowship with God and other believers. Number five, there's about uh, 11 right here. So here we go. Number five, believers know that they have they have sin and readily admit their sins. Of all people, believers are the most sensitive and knowledgeable of their sins because there's the Holy Spirit living in them bringing conviction. In other words, walking in the light not only means that we are uh, sub Oh, gosh. We are changed by God in terms of obedience, but that we see our sins clearly and admit them. If people who profess to be a Christian do not admit their sins freely, then they are deceived. They also make God a liar and prove that his word is not in them. And uh, the whole his word, I think people interpret that into uh, Jesus as well, according to John 1. This admission of our sins is not about naming each individual sin to God. However, but this is but is the ready admission of our sins to others. The letter of 1 John describes people who went out from the church. That is so key right there. I'm going to repeat that. The letter of 1 John Not just the one chapter, it's the whole letter, you guys, describes people who went out from the church. One of the characteristics of 
of that group was their unwillingness to admit sin. Now we're going a little bit deeper, you guys, understanding the, the group of people that were listening to this message from John. It was a doctrinal uh, error likely related to their view of Christ not coming in the flesh, but existing only in a spiritual body and how they viewed their spirituality in Christ. So John, he's talking about right there how the, this, this crowd that was listening, reading these letters from John were people that didn't believe that Jesus came as God, that he only came in the flesh. We are unsure of the particulars. The true Christians in the church are different. They only they openly confess their sins to those who should hear about them. You know what, you guys? And I love that right there where it says they openly confess their sins to those who should hear about them. Now, let me. And I, I got my place highlighted, so I'm not going to lose my spot. Don't worry. But it says should. What does the Bible tell us to do about? Well, I guess. Okay. The Bible says to guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. That's probably another message that I'll do about understanding that verse. Because I've experienced that, you guys. And it really does. Um, I've seen that verse really affect my life in a negative way. But, well, not a negative way. It's just taught me a lot in life. So here we go. Galatians 6.1, some of you guys know this verse. I've, I've told you guys about this verse, but it says, Brothers and sisters, whoever is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, others, other versions say you who are led by the Spirit, uh, should restore them gently. In the message version, uh, it interprets um, restore them gently. It changes that in the message version and says keep your critical thoughts to yourself. So, you know, I hope you see kind of what I'm connecting there. And then James 5 Again, says can, if we confess our sins, or no, that's 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 First John. It says confess confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. So it's not about just like confessing sin and you're good. It's it's that James says to pray for that person as well. So that's the person who should be hearing about your confession of sin. Let's move on. Note the words: if we have no sin, and if we say that we have not sinned. In the verses before and after 1 John 1 9, contrasted with if we confess our sins. Christians are open about their sins. In contrast, well, Christians, I mean, maybe not. Well, okay. In con, I'm overthinking again. In contrast to these errant people, four other items in 1 John. The author uses the word confess about confessing Christ which means uh, the open confession or declaration of Christ having come in the flesh. Again, you guys, it's almost like he's breaking down context right here. Uh, He uses the word here about the open declaration of sins by the true believers. It goes without saying that our openness about our sins to others involves speaking of them in the right settings and with the proper people. Again, proper people right there, you guys. It's so key. Number seven, forgiveness, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, our salvation terms, not sanctification terms. Perhaps the word all, oh wow, 
Dude, this guy is... Holy Spirit is speaking through this guy right now. I'm just gonna... Okay, I'm gonna reread this. You guys, this is... This, this, this one right here is so key. Forgive us our sins. It doesn't say forgive us of our sin. That's singular. It says sins, which is several. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our salvation terms. Not sanctification terms. Like it talks about in James 5 where it says you confess, you get healed. That's a sanctifi- that, that is a sanctification term, not a salvation term in James 5. Perhaps the word all ought to be in italics. All sins are forgiven and cleansed. This state of knowledge, this state of acknowledging sin to others describes the true believer. He does not hide what he is and what he does. If he comes to Christ having had this transformation into openness, he has stepped into the light. John is not saying that a believer must name every sin to God in order to be sanctified. He is saying that this characteristic, characteristic, I cannot read. He is saying that this characteristic admission of our sins to others found in the person who has become a believer is that which obtains the result of being totally forgiven and cleansed from every sin on the basis of the death of Christ. Number nine, God is faithful and just to forgive every sin and cleanse from all unrighteousness because of Christ's atonement alone. In other words, the believer does not confess in order to get something. I love that. Okay, number 10. Nothing more needs to be done after a person comes to Christ to merit forgiveness or cleansing. Just look at Ephesians 2, you guys, how it talks about we are saved by coming into faith. It says you're saved by faith through grace. What that means is you're you're coming to Christ and you're believing in him in faith. And then that's when God's grace comes through. I might be saying that wrong. It's by God's grace that you are believing in Christ and that's what gets you saved. Not about works because James, I mean not James, Paul goes on about that. Um, let me restart here. Number 10, nothing more needs to be done after a person comes to Christ to merit forgiveness or cleansing. Uh, appropriation means that God has been uh, entirely satisfied with the payment his son gave on the cross. Even if the believer sins, he has the advocate who is full of appropriation for his sin standing in uh, for him now, right there, I'm gonna say that again, you guys. Just listen to this. Just hear me out on this. Appropriation means that God has been entirely satisfied. Isaiah said that when the crucifixion happened, that God was satisfied, and a lot of theologians have uh, interpreted that as in God's wrath, because it says in John two. Um, I think it's John 2, but it says, uh, I think it's John 2, 23, where it says, those that abide outside of the blood, uh, that the wrath of God abides on them. But those who abide in the blood um, of Jesus and are under that, that the wrath of God abides outside of them. So let me restart here. Nothing more needs to be done after a person comes to Christ to merit forgiveness or cleansing. Appropriation means that God 
has been entirely satisfied with the payment his son gave. Right there, just like Isaiah said, you guys, on the cross. Even if a believer sins, he has the advocate who is full of appropriation, er, yeah, appropriation for his sins standing in for him. John talks about that. He says, he, t- he, he says exactly what that guy just said. God does intend, as the passage, as the passage teaches, for the believer not to sin, 1 John 2, 1. Therefore, ongoing repentance of sin is a characteristic of our walk with God, our walk in the light. That's A lot of people will not believe in that. A lot of people that will disagree with that are legalistic Christians, but it's really true, you guys. You're going to stumble. You're going to have relapses. Um, if I'm going to confess something right now, going into this year, I looked back at 2020 and having about seven relapses with pornography throughout the year. And I went into this year and I said, I am not coming into this year relapsing again. I had a relapse in January. So you guys, you're going to mess up. But what matters is, according to the book of uh, Amos and the book of Joel, is it Joel or is it? Hang on, let me see. Because the two books are right next to each other. Um, Yeah. The book of Joel and the book of Amos, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that not all of it, but a lot of the stuff that you read in those two books, uh, God is saying to the Israelites, "You guys keep sinning and you keep going and going and going, and that's not the problem." What the problem is, is that you're just doing sacrifices. You're like, "All right, I'm good." Your hearts aren't in it. And so it all just comes back to you're going to mess up. But what are you going to do about it? That's what matters. And every time I had a relapse with pornography or, you know, even just like maybe masturbation by itself, like whatever, any type of sexual integrity issue, you guys, or it was vaping or alcohol whatever, I confessed it right away. It's very important that when you mess up, confess it immediately. If you don't have anyone that you can call that you trust that will restore you gently or pray for you, once that happens, confess it to God. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays for us in Romans 8. So here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read number 11 again. You know, I'm recording here on 31 minutes. God does not, God, sorry, God does intend, as the passage uh, teaches, for the believer not to sin. 1 John 2 1. Therefore, ongoing repentance of sin is a characteristic of our walk with God, our walk in the light. I've, I, that's, that, that's how my life has been, you guys. I relapse, I repent, I confess it, and I move on. I relapse, I repent, I confess it, I move on. Literally. Ongoing repentance is different. Than naming every sin. Confessionism is a problem for us. We're almost done here, guys. I'm going to try and zoom through this because I really want to get through this whole article. If this passage is a call to immediate confession to God of every sin, we are in. Uh, we are okay. Let me, let me restart that. If this passage is a call to immediate confession to God of every sin, then we are in a lot of trouble. Number one, if we 
are in a logistical dilemma. We cannot remember every sin. This is, oh, that's so good. That's so true, you guys. If our forgiveness depends on this, we are in seriously impossible, we are in a seriously impossible situation. For this reason, most uh, advocates of this uh, theo theology say that the confession we are to do is to be for every known sin. But that is an accommodation that that is an accommodation to this text. It does not say that actually no Christian has confessed every known sin either. And if you say that you have, then uh, I would I would I would look at your motive at that point. Number two, we are in a theological dilemma. We have a Catholic uh, theology of sorts. That is, if forgiveness is dependent on our ongoing confession to God. Then what if we die with unconfessed sin? Does this view of confession of every sin being essential for forgiveness and total cleansing mean that our sins are not separated from us like the East is from the West? Does it mean that we are not forgiven? Does it mean we are not cleansed from all unrighteousness? In other words, does it mean that the work of Christ on our behalf is ineffective when it uh, comes to forgiveness and cleansing? Does it mean that we are not justified until we get to the end of life and only then if we have confessed everything to God? Man, let that sink in. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Man. And I, if I am going to confess something right now, I guess with everyone calling everyone a false teacher, I struggle with having a lot of anxiety about, you know, people saying that about me. But then again, I just take that to the Lord. I pour my heart out to him and I tell him what I what I feel like. He can see it, but it's another thing if I tell him about it. It's a whole nother thing. Whole nother thing. Because everyone's calling everyone a false teacher and I don't know. I don't I, don't, I think God is frowning upon that. Are there false teachers out there? Sure. Yeah. But Everyone calls everyone a false teacher based on their own experiences. And if, and if, if everyone's experiences is, is true, if everyone's experience in their walk with God about a certain subject is right, then there is no truth. There is no Jesus. There's none. Number three, we are in a... Uh, I don't know how to say that word. We are in a dilemma. By this, I mean that we cannot rec uh, reconcile the fact that the same text admits a full forgiveness and a continual cleansing from all sins on the basis of the blood of Christ alone, while also requiring the condition of detailed confession of every sin in the contiguous verse of of the contagious verse for our forgiveness. I don't know if I said that word right. Anyway. We're almost done here, guys. Uh, what God is after is not naming our sins to him, but our turning from our sins in obedience. He requires repentance from specific sins and an openness about our sins as a humble characteristic of the believer. Oh, I, I got to read that again. That's so good. What God is after is not naming our sins to him but are turning from our sins in obedience. He requires repentance from specific sins and an openness about our sins as a humble characteristic of the believer. He already knows uh, what you do. As 
the Paratin tap, as the Paratin tap or trap says, I don't know who that is, but anyway, I guess someone says, uh, amendment of life is the best repentance. This is the life of the believer. Naming all our sins may be uh, therapeutic. That's really good, but it can never be said to be required. At the same time, I want to assert the naming sins is normal for the believer emotionally. You guys, this is so true. That rings so deep in my heart. In fact, this is the assertion of the text. We freely admit sins to each other and before God. It is natural for us to do so because God uh, has given us uh, a clearer view of ourselves. Oh my gosh, that's so good. You guys, you know what? I might even just do a message next week and I even hear the Holy Spirit saying like, yes, do it. Like um, t- talking about how to get healing. This is so good. I'm just going to read this again. This is this is so good right here, you guys. I've experienced it in my life. Confessing my sin, I've seen this happen. And this meaning I'm going to read what I'm going to reread this. We freely admit sins to each other and before God. It is natural for us to do so because God has given us a clearer view of ourselves. It is within our new natures, just like Paul says when uh, he that is in Christ is a new creation. We need to not feel that God requires we should never name a sin to God, but it is not the aim of our teaching to get people to uh, enumerate sins to God as a condition for forgiveness. We may name our sins on the way to repentance, true, but we do not do so in order to be forgiven or cleansed. We trust Christ's work for that alone. One additional passage. We're almost done here, guys. Um, I have to bring one more passage to your attention. Um, Again, I'm just reading from the article still, uh, and I'm going to put the article in the link uh, below, you guys. If you look at the uh, if you look at the description of this podcast of this episode today, you can look at this article. And I challenge you to, because I mean, the Holy Spirit is probably going to speak, you know, something different than what He's speaking through me right now. Or you will. uh, Here we go. He has to bring one more passage to your attention, or you will find find it and call me a liar. Here we go. That's so good. I love it how he says that. And you know what? Again, maybe he's just saying that because he's got this fear of man because everyone's just calling everyone a false teacher. That's the problem, you guys. Here we go. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus stated in this model prayer, and forgive us our debts, our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Immediately after this prayer, anticipating some misunderstanding, he further says, for if you forgive others... For their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's this is good. I really like it how he's bringing this up too. But if you do not for, forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Matthew six twelve uh, through Matthew six twelve, and then verses fourteen through fifteen. I'll admit that Jesus has said that we should ask for forgiveness, but again, we need to look more closely. He is really saying this. Forgive us as or in the same way that we have forgiven others. In other words, I'm asking that your forgiveness of me 
which we can say is full and free of Christ's sacrifice, needing nothing else, would be the same as my forgiveness of others. We've, he then states that this forgiveness of others is the believer... Sorry, I'm going to restart that. He then states that this forgiveness of others in the believer is so standard, so much a part of what it means to be a Christian, that no true believer is without it. If you are not a forgiver, you are not forgiven. To not be forgiven is to be damned to spend eternity in hell. Christ is talking not in specifics about confessing every sin before God. In fact, the tandem forgiveness he notes is only about one category, personal offense. He is rather talking in uh, generalities about the nature of salvation. This is so good. This is great wisdom right here. He is saying, please make the nature of your forgiveness to us the same as that we have towards others. And I've, throughout this whole podcast, I have felt the Holy Spirit's peace so strong. Oh my gosh. It says nothing about specific confession. Nothing. But it does tie forgiveness of sins to the true, to to, uh, the new nature he gives true believers. In the New Testament, there are no other references requiring the confession of... Well, I don't know about that. Okay, he says right here, in the New Testament, there are no other references requiring the confession of individual sins to God. I mean, maybe I'm taking James 5 out of context again, but... Maybe I'm wrong about that, where it says confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed and pray for one another. The Christian is a person who is totally uh, cogs. Mm, I'm going to guess that word is aware of. Yeah, right here. The, the, the Christian is, uh, is a person who is totally aware of his sins and open about them, though he should use uh, discretion when speaking of them. That's really good right there as well, you guys. But he is also one who must not diminish the effect of the cross and the blood in his life or her life. To do so does not glorify Christ's work as complete. And I feel so much peace from the Holy Spirit when I say that. In fact, in a certain way, believing that forgiveness is full uh, cleansing is In fact, in a certain way, believing that forgiveness and full cleansing is only granted if we name every sin to God is an insult to God and a diminishing of the powerful saving work through Christ's death on the cross. So that's it, you guys. Gosh, that is so good. I'm going to post this um, link, obviously, in the description below, but oh my gosh. That was so good. So good, you guys. And uh, I just pray that... That was my water bottle that I put on the table. So, um, if you heard that thump. Yeah, guys. Um, I, That was really good. That spoke to me a lot as well. I, I got a lot of wisdom from that. So, um, 
you know, and again, I just keep hearing, if you have not listened to part one, go listen to it, please. It's going to help you understand because part one, the reason I did a part one was because I started from the beginning of this article and then I um, said I'm going to do a part two because I can only do an hour per episode when I'm using this app called Anchor. So yeah, I just, I was running out of time and I just said I'll do a part two next week. So please go listen to part one because it's going to help you understand this uh, passage more and I mean... If you don't want to listen to it and you want to read 1 John 1 yourself and try to understand it, let the Holy Spirit speak to you in that way, fine. Fine. One more statement I want to make, guys, and we'll close in prayer. Um, I made a I made a podcast on Sunday night about my week, and I just did a journal. I did do a moment of confession of sin, but at the end of the episode on Sunday, I talked about how um, I am not expecting, if you are listening to this, if you're listening to this message and you're, you're you know, 45 minutes in now, I am not expecting you to listen to every podcast. If you think that my mindset, when I think about my podcast, one of the mindsets that I have, if you're thinking one of my mindsets are you have to listen to every podcast, then I'm dealing with pride, I'm dealing with um, fear that... I mean, I'm trying to act like God and saying like, you need to listen to what I have to say or you're going to get lost. And have I had those thoughts? Have I struggled with that in the past? Yes, but God has definitely brought deliverance from that. And I think the reason why people feel that way when they get into ministry or they have to be, or they're getting into being a pastor is that people put, and we hear this all the time, but they put pastors on this pedestal and they're like, gimme, 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 gimme. It's like, you're, say you're going to, say you find a new church and you're there for a year. You're there for a year and the reason why is because God is saying, there's only wisdom you need, there's only wisdom you need to know from there for a year because he knows what, what, what lies ahead. He knows what you need to hear in the future. So, I even said to myself, if God has a random person that lives in New York and comes across my podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify and listens to a prophetic word that I do on Fridays, and that's all God's like, that's all they're going to listen to? Fine. Fine. I have got to trust God that no matter how many episodes you listen to on this podcast, it's going to be enough for you. It's not me you're following. Like Paul said, it's God. So I'm not expecting you to listen to every single podcast. I'm not expecting you to listen to every single journal and every single prophetic word. But I will tell you this. If you are struggling with feeling like you have to keep, you have to find what God wants you to listen to, my friend, I don't, if God wants you to see something and, or hear something or talk to someone or go to this church or go to that church, he's going to tell you. He's going to tell you. Just like one of the angels in Revelation, one of the three angels are going to come through the earth and say, don't take that mark of the beast. I think it's, I don't know where it is, but it says in Revelation that three angels are going to be released on earth when the mark of the beast happens and each angel is going to have a message to give. And one of the angels one of their messages is don't take the mark of the beast. And to f- his first message is fear God. That's what he first says. And then he says, um, don't take the mark of the beast. 
whoever takes it will be thrown into um, the pit of fire. Hell. So, um, the reason I say that is that if God wants to get a message to someone, he'll do it. Just like he's going to do it with the angels in Revelation. And look at Mary. Like, how did God come to her and give her that message? Through an angel. An angel came to him and said, hey, you're going to have a child. You're going to name him Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. If God wants you to hear something, if he wants you to like engage in something and, and go find something and learn wisdom from something, he will tell you. So don't be fearful of, well, maybe I need to listen to this. or blah, blah, blah. Okay, talk to God about that. Say, God, do you want me to listen to this sermon from Bill Johnson or this sermon from Kenneth Copeland? Talk to him about it. He'll show you. He is not a God of confusion. He doesn't trick people. If God is that, if he's that kind of God, then why does he want everyone to come to repentance? Why does the Bible say that he's not a God of confusion in 2 Corinthians through the words of Paul? So, I hope I'm very clear on that, you guys. You know, and I want to give a shout out to my friend Hunter. Hunter, if you're listening to this, the words that you said to me earlier touched my heart so deeply. I I mean, my heart is crying. I just, everything you said, you guys, Hunter just talked about, um, he just, he talked about what a great job I'm doing on my podcast. And I deal with so much fear sometimes after my podcast and the enemy will just be like, he'll bring up the subject that I just talked about on another podcast on on another episode. And he'll be like, well, you didn't elaborate well enough on this or that. And it's like, and then again, that's where I get triggered of like, of like trying to like, I have to be the Holy Spirit. I have to be the one that gives you all the wisdom. And if you don't, then you're screwed. And I know that's not true, but that's what the enemy's triggering right there. If that, I hope that makes sense. So Hunter, thank you so much. I, I, you are such a blessing in my life. Without my dad, we wouldn't have met. I mean... I think we might have met somewhere else. And if we did, forgive me because I'm not remembering right now. So thank you, Hunter. Seriously. Um, I did see um, the podcast, uh, the review on. Let me find. Let me let me look at my. Cause we gotta, This is going to turn off in 10 minutes. So I got to finish this up in the next 10 minutes. I'm going to look at my other reviews. Yeah, this. uh X the goat one three zero zero. This was posted June twelfth. It says, "Love this podcast. It brings me peace." I love that. Thank you so much for that review. Um, Wally is lost. This podcast is truly a blessing. He is doing the Lord's work uh, on being very reliable with the modern struggle. Um, a podcast from Gucci Mane, JDJDJDENDB. Uh, yeah, thank you everyone for all the ratings you've been giving me. I'm five out of five right now, and I'm so grateful for that. And all the glory goes to the Holy Spirit. Um, but yeah, if you guys have not written a review for me on my podcast, uh, you can go on Apple Podcast and do that for me. I'd really appreciate that. Give an honest and uh, not codependent review. Tell me how you feel. I thrive on constructive criticism. Proverbs fifteen fourteen: Those who are always seeking fresh insights are wise, and the other the other people are just fools so i every day 
I follow that verse every day. The Holy Spirit just continues to uh, just minister to me. And uh, when I have conversations with people and I just take in that wisdom. So let's close in prayer here, you guys. the Lord saying he's going to start showing you new things soon oh and I feel so much hope right now for the future that God's got great things God I thank you for the suffering that the person is going through right now that's listening to this there is something you're doing behind it just hear God quoting Isaiah 64 and um, Paul restates it I think in Corinthians but it says since before time began no one has ever imagined no ear heard no eye seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him you meet those who happily do what is right, who keep a good memory of the way you work. God, I thank you that you speak to us through your word and that we have it all right here and that people that were in the old covenant, that they had to wait for the prophets to tell them things and the people that were uh, in the new covenant church, they had to wait for letters and stories from uh, the apostles, God, that they had to wait. God, we have it all right here. I thank you that we have it all right here, that we can open it up and read your word. Grow us in wisdom, God. Lead us in your grace. Help us to abide in your love, to never leave your love, to stay in it. Open our spiritual eyes. Open our ears, God. Make us more aware of the enemy's schemes. Grow us, Lord. Help us to humble ourselves. I pray for the person listening to this, God, that everything that you spoke today, God, that you would remind them in the future and that they would know that it's you speaking to them and that they would put those things into practice. I give you honor and glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. That is my message today for you guys. This Friday, I'm going to be coming with you for a prophetic word. And then I think, like I said before earlier, I'm going to do a... Um, next week, I'm going to talk about um, how to get healing. Uh, I think fasting brings a lot of healing. Obviously, confessing sin, like James says in chapter 5. We're going to break down context, you guys. I might get... I've been wanting to get into the Greek and the Hebrew as well, so that's definitely crossed my mind, and um, I've just been a little bit too busy to not get into that, so um, 
And then I do have a special announcement that I'm going to need every single one of my listeners to listen to uh, probably on, if I look at my calendar here, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a special announcement on Yeah, probably on the 30th, next week, next Wednesday, I'm going to make a special announcement, you guys. So anyway, yeah, um, thank you so much for listening to today's message about part two, understanding 1 John 1, 9. This is your friend Josiah. God bless you.